Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Tom Harris, and I'll be your host for today. And I'm joined by Valencia's very own Paco Pollitt to review all 10 games of match day six. Unfortunately, <laughs> the last round of La Liga matches before we head into the international break. Paco, another good win for Guinola Cotuso's Valencia. Plenty of goals and a few big results in the race for Europe and the relegation battle. How did you enjoy it all this weekend? Yeah, Tom, definitely. And and uh, I think plenty of, of, I would say, some random scores here and there. I, I didn't expect, uh, for example, Getafe being able to pull off the win when visiting uh, Osasuna, who were mighty when playing at home. Also, uh, possibly the best game of the weekend, uh, the Athletic Club win over Rayo Vallecano 3-2. It was an amazing game to, to cap off the the Saturday games and also plenty of uh, spice on that Villarreal Sevilla draw, Real Sociedad finally, you know, clinging back to, to form, uh, beating over Espanol and also obviously the, the Atletico Madrid, uh, Real Madrid derby with uh, many things to to touch upon and, and also Real Madrid suffering a bit in the final minutes even though they had the, the help of, of Mario Hermoso and that second uh, yellow card uh, and the centre-off, which uh, made things a bit easier for them in the last few minutes. Yeah, 100%. Like you say, lots of stuff to get stuck into. Before we go into a bit more detail, um, also remember that we have a fresh newsletter for you all this morning, published on Monday morning, as we continue to react to another fascinating round of fixtures. So be sure to visit our Substack. That's laligalowdown.substack.com, where you can subscribe for completely free and have a fresh newsletter in your inbox every Monday, Wednesday and Friday morning. So, without further ado, let's get stuck into that game that we've just been watching. A really feisty clash, as you mentioned, Paco, at Civitas Metropolitano, where Real Madrid ultimately won their ninth game in a row in all competitions. That's six out of six now in La Liga, defeating their first rivals, Atletico Madrid, by two goals to one. So, Paco, that's 22 goals scored, six conceded for Los Blancos now in the league. It got a bit nervy in the end, like you said, but just how impressed were you with the incisiveness, really, of Real Madrid's attacking play? You see, if, if we have to uh, describe the game, you could say that uh, Atletico did most of the work in the first half, but Real Madrid reaped the benefits, you know, because uh, they only had like the two clearest chances of, of, of the first period and Real Madrid were like that, you know, veteran heavyweight puncher, one, two, and they were already two goals ahead. 
in a game where we, all of us expected a lot of you know tightness at the back, uh, many precautions of both teams, but Real Madrid were clinical on their finishing with that uh, opening Rodrigo goal. Uh, Rodrigo playing as the you know number nine or as we say falso nueve. I don't know how how exactly to to place him on the on the tactics, but but he was great in the um, in the finishing and later you know Fede Valverde taking advantage of that uh, rebound of the post with Vinicius. Uh, who didn't score, by the way, and I think it was all around better for everyone because <laughs> because the it, it could have become you know a, 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 a mad place if if uh, Vinicius had scored, but there was uh, Valverde to to catch the the rebound and score, and uh, I don't know if it, it was unfair for Atletico Madrid, but definitely it was a perfect example of why Real Madrid are dominating so far this season because all of their games have been. You know, to some extent, showing their capability to uh, get the job done, regardless of the way they play. They can do it brilliantly. They can do it, you know, uh, with less brilliancy. And in such games as as these weekends, they are able to overcome uh, even those last 15 minutes of pressure <clears throat> by Atletico Madrid after after scoring the um, their first goal. Which was, by the way, a rebound. You know, Mario Hermoso didn't want to <laughs> actually uh, head that ball in, but but suddenly the, the ball deflected on his on his body, and it was suddenly only one goal away the the chance of picking up a point. So overall, I think there were many things to to speak about. Um, Atletico tried different things, even though they didn't have the luck to to find some success over that. I think Courtois wasn't really that brilliant in, in, in the goal that he that he allowed and that's the only you know that the only black spot overall in, in this night because yeah Real Madrid are scoring a lot and they are winning their games that they don't seem capable of keeping a, a clean sheet. You know it's it's something actually amazing but uh, regardless I think that uh, Ancelotti should be very very proud of the of the team because they are not only winning the games but doing so with the absence of Benzema who was the one you know single-handedly carrying the team last season and and his absence uh, has been incredibly uh, replaced by by the rest of the squad 100 i mean if you look at Fede Valverde for example that's three goals in three for him now already as Mark Clark pointed out in the league lowdown group chat that's as many goals this campaign already as is in his previous two combined so it's mm -hmm. a really remarkable output and Vinicius again like you said he didn't score but it's just the incisiveness and the pace and just ripping through the team and Chouameni as well I mean obviously it was a bit of a slow start for him I think but another brilliant assist tonight that goal for the um the ball over the top for, yeah F Felipe uh, wasn't wasn't uh, you know 100% on point in that play because he tried, you know, making a, an acrobatic deflection and, and clearing the ball and, and obviously he missed and that's why Rodrigo had uh, the perfect chance to score and he did. It was a quality last touch, but uh, yeah, overall, the you could say that the details in this game always fell in Real Madrid's side of the of the table and that and that's why they were able to to win and actually do it in with the feeling at least. In my case, and I don't know if, if the if the listeners believe the same, that they really didn't press into fifth gear and, and give their 100%. They were so comfortable in the pitch that I believe that they were able to pull off the win without really giving, giving their all. And that's the best news for Real Madrid because whenever they want to do that, uh, they will be a very, very mighty team to, to take upon. Yeah, very ominous for the rest of the league. 
Um, like you say, a very big win over, you know, people might have considered Atletico Madrid as title rivals at the start of the season. Um, already eight points behind them and yeah. there's a long way to go. But the way Real Madrid and indeed Barcelona, who will come on to a winning, it might be out of their reach already. So, yeah, I mean, Barcelona with another win as well to kind of keep pace with Real Madrid at the top of the league. It was slightly more routine, a 3-0 win against 10 yeah. Mar- But that's five wins in a row now for Xavi's side. 18 goals scored and just one conceded. Um, what did you make of Barcelona here, Paco? It's more of the same? Yeah, you could say it was like a run-of-the-mill game for, for this Barca this season with a couple of goals by Lewandowski, who is already the, the Pichichi and the, and the top scorer in the, in the competition. Uh, I believe it's, it's amazing the way he has settled into a squad which is actually much younger than himself. Uh, at 34, he... Uh, I don't know, I think he should have more problems uh, settling into a team with those Gabi, Pedri behind him, you know, other players who are uh, Dembele even, um, who by the way was was a father this weekend and we want to, you know, congratulate him. And uh, he had a, you know, a fun story behind because he was uh, a father and only a couple of hours later he left rushing out the hospital. He went home, he changed his suit and later he went to Camp Nou and he was on the starting lineup. So uh, that is the main difference with the Dembele from back in the day and uh, this season's Dembele under Xavi. He has this kind of commitment that back in the day Barca fans could only dream about. And if you, uh, you know, add Dembele's uh, pace and, and quality and commitment to the way Lewandowski is playing and the rest of the squad, that's why I said it, it was a run-of-the-mill game. I think Elche were outrun, outpaced, outplayed. Uh, there were scandalous level of possession uh, throughout the first half. I believe it was like 82% against 18, which is bonkers. And uh, yeah, I, I think Barca were were very comfortable, and they actually they needn't they didn't need to. Uh, press the, the the accelerator into fifth gear once again because they, they were you know comfortable even enough with that advantage and the best news for them once again was the was the the clean sheet obviously Berdu's red card in the 15th minute was was making the task even easier but at the same time and I, and I want to touch upon Elche uh, they are not looking very good uh, and actually I think that their their manager is 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 in danger I don't know if uh, uh, Francisco is going to to you know uh, stay for for much longer because because they are not looking consistent at the back. They don't have the reinforcement that, that they needed in the in the last summer in the transfer market. I don't know. Um, they they were outpaced by Barca, which is the case for ninety percent of the teams in La Liga. But so far, you only have to look at the at the standings. That that's the reason for them being so low bottom of the league only one point out of 18 i don't know what's going to happen with the management over there i was going to ask you about that actually because like you said that's four defeats in a row now they, they have had some tough games to be fair to them and you know when you look at these results i mean verdu getting sent off in the 14th minute here i think it was a way at real betis they had an early red card for enzo Rocco as well so it seems to be a bit of a discipline problem not looking great for Elche, but, you know, they have got teams down there like, you know, Cadiz who are struggling as well. And, you know, they do have some more winnable games to come. Yeah, so. But, but they, they did win. Cadiz got the job done with that Negredo late, late goal this mm. weekend. And it was quite surprising, by the way, with the, the Friday opening game. Um, and that was one of those desperate, desperate uh, fixtures. 
which is very interesting to watch for the neutral uh, aficionado, but which wasn't the best news for Valladolid, who lost in the in the 92nd minute. Negredo was the one in charge of scoring the goal. And, you know, Cadiz seem to breathe at least a, a little bit and are going to have a, a quieter 15 days ahead of them. Uh, but yeah, they are in danger. So as, you know, uh, Valladolid, Elche, th those are the teams who are going to to fight tooth and nail to, to avoid the drop. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so moving on to, um, from the big two and from the likes of Elche and Cadiz, we're just going to have a quick look at some of the uh, games in the uh, race of European football this season because quite a few important ones this weekend. None more so really than Villarreal, who took on Sevilla mm -hmm. at de Valencia. And it was 1-1 in the end. Um, Oliver Torres scoring early for Sevilla. Cancelled that by Alex Baena. That's now six goals in just 550 minutes this season. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Yeah, Alex Baena and uh, Aymar Oroz are possibly two of the from Osasuna, two of the potential top three young players or young break breakout players of the season. They they are looking very 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 promising and you know Baena has been able to keep afloat Villarreal in in very tight games and very tough games with that you know filter pass uh, and that uh, clinical finish one on one to to level the game. Uh, remember Oliver Oliver Torres had had scored in the I believe in the tenth minute uh, to put Sevilla ahead. Lopetegui still feeling the heat. I don't believe that this draw is going to make any favors to his case with most of the you know Sevilla fans and I hope many of them you know to, to comment on, on this podcast and, and write us on on social media what do they think about the the first uh, six uh, games in, in La Liga this season under Lopetegui because I I understand that many of them aren't on board with the way the team are playing mainly because the results can you know come and go and you can get them or you can win lose draw okay but the way Sevilla are behaving this season, many problems at the back, not reliable, not really, uh, you know, a defense to to be trusted. And in front, they have lost that that edge, that you know, uh, the the spark that they had in in former seasons. So, so that's why it was a you know a, a big battle between Villarreal and Sevilla. But overall, the the draw was the you know the the fair result because Villarreal had. That bit of tiredness and and uh, having played midweek uh, is going to to be a main issue for them. I believe not only in the first run of games but for most of the season. Yeah, I mean, perhaps you could you know sense a bit of disappointment in Villarreal. You know, they saw an opportunity here in Sevilla, obviously not playing well as you say. But you know, one one, they obviously lost to Real Betis last weekend, so they've got a few. Sevilla weeks. are one point away from relegation spots. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Sevilla up to 15th, as you say, but their neighbours, Real Betis, up to 15 points after six games. 2-1 um, victory over Girona. Mm -hmm. Best, their joint best start in, in the history in La Liga, actually. Um, two wins out of two in the Europa League as well. Just what is it that's making this Betis side so good for you, Paco? I would say that the main difference between this season's Betis and last season's is uh, Borja Iglesias hitting the round... Uh, the ground running and scoring since game one because last season it was like a very slow start for him he he did eventually score late in the season and and you know his numbers were fairly good but i don't know this year his his uh accuracy has increased you know boosted to the stratosphere and he's he's behaving like the true number nine that this team needed because uh betis have 
possibly one of the most talented and quality squads in La Liga, but if you don't finish the plays and you don't score the goals, you can, you know, pass the ball around and have Pellegrini trying to play beautiful football, but things are not going to work. And against Girona, actually, the, the game wasn't that easy for them because because they got the, you know, goal against them, are now scored in the, in the seventh minute, but later... Uh, Borja Iglesias and the whole team began slowly picking up steam and, and getting the plays, getting the runs into the, the opposite side of the of the pitch. And later when, when Borja Iglesias yeah, um, uh, leveled the game with that penalty, uh, it was you know, just a matter of minutes. And, and things went slowly. They went into the second half. You know, the, the subs in from uh, Betis uh, finally allowed them to, to get that edge over, over Girona and, and Borja Iglesias scored the... The winning goal, but it was a very, very balanced game, uh, both in the stats, in the in the shots on target, in everything. I think Girona made a, a a good case towards their their remaining in in La Liga. I think that uh, slowly uh, they are getting into that uh, state of mind where they they know that they have to go to absolutely every single ground away from Montilivi with the, as we say in Spanish, cuchillo entre los dientes, the, the, the knife uh, on, on their teeth, between their teeth, because they need to be gritty and they need to fight for every every single point, even though they go to grounds where things are not looking good on the outset, okay? So, uh, good effort by, by Girona, great performance by, by Borja Iglesias, and that's the reason for Betis, you know, trouncing every single stat for them and historic record for them, and that's why they are currently on the, I believe, on the third place, right, on the table, and uh, with amazing, amazing number of points to to date. Yeah, well, just going into the statistics, it was match day eight that Borja Iglesias scored his first goal for Real Betis last there season. There you go. Now he's on six goals in six games after match day six this season. So yeah, definitely, you know, deserve top Spanish hope. scorer, by the way, because uh, I, I think he overtook uh, Yago Aspas this this weekend. So uh, right now he's. As we say here, um, Pichichi is the top scorer overall, but Zarra is the top Spanish scorer, and that would be uh, currently Borja Iglesias. Borja Iglesias, Spain's new number nine for the Nations League games next Yeah, week. very exciting, very, very exciting. 100%. So we'll leave it there for part one. Um, join us again in a couple of minutes' time for uh, more reaction from Paco and myself after the break. We'll look back at a thrilling game at San Mamés comfortable win for Valencia and two huge results at the bottom of the early relegation La Liga table. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. I'm Tom Harris, and I'm here with Paco Pollitt to recap the rest of the weekend's La Liga fixtures. 
We're going to start this second part with a quick look at Real Sociedad, another team in the hunt for those um, European spots. And it was another good win for them, a 2-1 victory over Espanyol. Alexander Solo and Bryce Mendes scoring again. That's four goals in his last six games. Um, and yeah, a really you know good, hard-fought victory for La Real. Do you think they're in the race for this top four, top six um, battle this season, Paco? Yeah, possibly so, because even though they lost uh, last week their, their main, uh, you know, signing and striker in the in the name of Omar Sadiq, he's going to be out for six months, as our listeners already know. Um, they have been able to, you know, make things, amend things this, this week with their, their performance in the Europa League and later with this win. Uh, over Espanyol with Sorloff once again scoring. He he scored two this, this week, midweek and also uh, against uh, Los Periquitos. And later, uh, being able to once again uh, overcome the, the leveling goal by Edu Exposito. Bryce Mendes, who is massive, has been massive so far this season. I believe he's uh, Real Sociedad's top scorer. And he's playing, I believe, Tom, with a uh, much higher level of freedom that he used to have in back in Celta. I, I think that his signing has been, you know, like like the like the ring into the perfect finger, fitting uh, to the way he plays, the way he fits the, the squad. He has settled in brilliantly, and that, that's why Bryce Mendes has been an incredible addition. Also, I think we should touch upon Takekubo, who I believe you favor quite a bit. Um, he's been doing great with assists and also overall running the show uh, with that. You know, that role that uh, David Silva used to play a couple of seasons back. Yeah, I mean, what I like with Real Sociedad is, like you say, Bryce Mendes. I think he's a really like nice mix of this creative, versatile attacking player. But he also gets stuck in as well. If you look at the statistics, he's, he's the highest um, amount of pressures completed in his Real Sociedad squad. Most amount of tackles, most amount of uh, blocks and interceptions as well. So he's a really mm-hmm. hands-on player. And Takakubo as well, I mean, it's his fifth La Liga club. Do you think he's finally found a home here at Real Sociedad? I think he has finally found the manager that he needed because uh, it's very, very tough to make uh, such talented player work, not only as an individual uh, footballer, but also inside the the different roles that you have in a squad, not only in a single game, but during the whole season. And that that was uh, Takekubo's main issue in, in most of his former sides. Uh, in Mallorca and before when he he played for, you know, uh, Real Madrid, the B team. I think that uh, in many instances, you see the highlights of a player, but you need him to do other things that don't usually go to the highlight reels. And that was what other managers weren't able to extract for from Takekubo and that is what uh, Imanola Guacil is, is finally achieving this this year. I think that he's playing his f- best football to date, and the only uh, you know the only benefited from this uh, are uh, Real Sociedad so far. Yeah, and of course, Kubo joining Real Sociedad on a permanent now, so it's not really in Real Madrid's interest that Kubo is performing well because finally he's moved away from the capital side. So sticking to the Basque Country, we'll move over to Athletic Club. Um, Valverde's side finally got over their goal-scoring jinx at San Mamés this season. They'd actually mm-hmm. scored one goal from 52 shots in front of their fans before Sunday's game. But it was a 3-1 victory over... 3-2, three, two two, two. sorry. Over <laughs> you, were, you were forgetting Falcao's goal, which is... <laughs> which is... Not, you know, not the best outlook. One yeah. of the best goals of the of the season so far. 
No, it was a fantastic goal and a, and a sensational game as well, really. Um, end-to-end stuff. And yeah, just how good do you think Athletic Club looked? You know, obviously, Ernesto Valverde has this reputation as an attacking manager. And we, you know, we saw that in abundance away at um, Cadiz, away at Elche, mm. now here today, away um, at home in front of our own fans against Rai Vaicano. Yeah, we expected greatness from, from this game because of the insane pace that both teams have when they are uh, at the top of their game. And also because, uh, to some extent, Iraola and Valverde, you know, both Basque managers, the same the same school of, of uh, management in their in their origins former players both of them you know they have many many things that are similar between uh athletic club and, and rayo vallecano and that's why it was a you know a game where both teams pulled no punches they went like straight ahead full on uh on the offense and the first ones to to hit hard were athletic club with that uh iñaki williams opening game later sunset made the second one nico williams with the third one you think that uh, over overcoming the the first goal by Trejo in the in the fifth minute was going to be you know lights out for for Rai Vallecano, but they, they they were able to cling to the game, to fight back to some extent in the second half to level things into, you know, uh, statistically because they had even more ball possession they were able to to dominate the that sense in the in the second half and when Falcao scored with with ten minutes remaining you know. Many people in in San Mamés were, you know, looking at each other and thinking it could happen. The three-three could be definitely something that that could happen in the last few minutes. But uh, Athletic Club were able to to hang in there and and keep the the three points in their ground, which, by the way, uh, has been this season one of the strongholds as uh, Reino de Navarra, El Sadar, Osasuna's ground, which was uh, finally. Um, Conquered this this weekend. Mestalla also another of the of the grounds where the home the home side has been able to pick up most of their points. So yeah, overall one of the greatest games of of this weekend, if not the greatest between Atletico and, and Rayo. Yeah, I have to completely agree. I mean, talking about those home fortresses as you just mentioned, we move on to Valencia, your team. Very comfortable in the end, a 3-0 victory over Celta Vigo. And I found it interesting that, you know, Valencia, they scored three or more goals four, on four occasions last season. They've managed it twice in a row now in their two games at Mestalla. You know, helped by an early red card, but another exciting mm. performance from Gattuso's men, don't you think? Yeah, I think it was... Uh... It seemed, at least if you see the the final uh, scoreline, it seems an easier game that we actually uh, lived on on Mestalla in Mestalla because because uh, it wasn't easy for them. At least in the first half hour, it was a very open game with both teams being able to to generate danger with with easiness. Uh, once again, Valencia's uh, secret weapon was uh, Georgi Mamardashvili, the the goalkeeper. Who, who had a couple of of appearances which were crucial to to them keeping once again a clean sheet and and keeping all of the fans from from having a heart attack. Uh, Samuel Castillejo was the one in charge of of uh, scoring the opening goal, and Valencia had to wait till the last minutes of the game to to close the game with Marcos Andres scoring and later Andre Almeida finishing a great assist by Hugo Guillamón, which. Uh, who, by the way, has been uh, called by uh, Luis Enrique. Very criticized his his uh, convocatoria by the the national manager. Gaia is also going with the national team, but I think Hugo Guillamón has been one of the most improved players so far in the first six games. 
people expect from him to be more similar to Danny Parejo. Uh, I don't know, do things that he isn't uh, well equipped to do. But in his role currently playing as, as you know, uh, Gattuso says, pivote, as, as, as a pivot, as a number six, he has doing he has been doing very, very, very well so far. So, uh, yeah, happiness for Valencia fans. And also Edinson Cavani was able to make his debut. He had spoken earlier with uh, Gennaro Gattuso and asked him to play, you know, 30, 35 minutes. Rino Gattuso isn't taking any BS by nobody. <laughs> and he said, OK, you are going to play over one hour. And he did. He was in the starting lineup. He wasn't very, uh, you know, in touch with the ball most of the game. And he was subbed in the 70th minute. But, you know, the standing ovation by the Mestalla fans uh, towards their biggest signing, because ultimately it's one of the most interesting signings, possibly the biggest profile that uh, Peter Lim has signed in the last eight years for Valencia. Uh, fans are obviously thanking the, the effort by the Uruguayan striker. And by the way, he's saying in the next few days in Valencia, he isn't going with the national side. He's going to keep gearing up and, and, and preparing himself to to be 100% fit for when the competition comes back to, to La Liga. Yeah, very exciting stuff. And I mean, obviously, Samuel Lino, I don't think he had his best game on the weekend, but he's a very creative player right wide. Castillejo as well. I think we're going to see a lot of chances for Edison Cavani. And, you know, when you give him chances, he's going to take them. So we'll see how he gets on this season. So you were mentioning the other fortress, which actually was breached this weekend as he yeah. went to Osasuna, to El Sadar, and became the first side to win there. And when you look at the statistics, that's actually Getafe's second away win in their last 25 attempts. So really against the form, but this one. Um, but again, it was a game that hinged on a red card. I mean, Jimmy Avila was sent off in the, in the 43rd minute. Mm. And that kind of, you know, Getafe were already ahead and that allowed them to press on and seal a 2-0 win. Um, so do you think, obviously, here, you know, as we just mentioned, the red card, is this just one of those days for Osasuna? Or do you think this could be a bit of a you know, a turning point for their season where El Sadar suddenly doesn't look as strong as it has been. Yeah, you would say uh, that uh, the souffle effect is, you know, fizzling away uh, after such a great uh, initial five-game run by Osasuna. But you also have to give some credit to to uh, Getafe, who were already 1-0 uh, up before Timmy Avila was sent off. Uh Iglesias was the one in charge, Juan Iglesias was the one in charge of scoring the opening uh, goal. But you could say that once again, Kike Sanchez Flores is in charge of the great Getafe escape in some sense, because last season he was able to turn things around when Getafe were like bottom of the standings and already with one f uh, foot in, in second division and, and he was able to save them comfortably. And this year after the first uh, four games, especially against Valencia at Mestalla with that 5-1 score, which was uh, devastating towards uh, Getafe and their fans. Uh, Kike was able to, you know, pick up the pieces and try to reassemble them uh, in order to make some sense of the, of the strengths of his squad. And he has been able to, to turn things around with two uh, clutch wins away from home. Uh, when nobody expected them, and I, in my, in, in my case, I didn't expect them to to pick, pick up the three points from the Besi to to El Sadar. But ultimately, if you see the um, the stats of the game and the way it developed, they deserved the win. They were very very strong at the back. That is the main. I think it's going to be their main 
the the main hinge of their season if they are able to keep their their uh clean sheets here and there and being able to to keep danger away from their own goal getafe are going to pick up quite a few points and won't have any problem to remain in la liga and even possibly fight for other things yeah i mean for getafe their first game after the international break at home to real valladolid so you have to say that's pretty good chance for them to make it three wins in a row after not having achieved a win in their first five games so it could be a bit of a turning mm. for Kiki Sanchez Flores' men. I mean talking about Real Valladolid you know they suffered um, an, a home defeat this weekend actually to a side who were yet to score in their opening five games obviously yet to win as well but they did it finally Cali their first goal in 540 minutes of football this yeah. season, right at the death to seal their first win. And those scenes of the travelling fans celebrating were just absolutely magnificent at the final whistle. It had to um, be Negredo. It had yes. to be Negredo because when a game comes to that point where the two teams are so tired, 90th minute, uh, no goals, uh, plenty of... It was a very rough, rough game. Like 19 fouls by Cadiz, uh, 12 by, by Valladolid four yellows for for the away side you know at that point uh it's like a, a coin toss and this time it favored Cali, but uh, it could have you know favored in the same way by Aulid. uh these two teams are going to suffer quite a lot unfortunately for their fan bases we all love Cali fans and by fans but uh things are not lo- looking good they will need to strengthen their squads in january if they want to suffer much less in the in the remaining 34 two games of the season. Yeah, I mean, what struck me about Valladolid was the amount of chances they had and missed this game. I think mm-hmm. they had four shots on target in the end and it just didn't seem to drop for them at all. And this the Cadiz only had one shot on target yeah. and it was enough for them. That's well, it. They, meant they got the job done. Mm-hmm. I mean, on to our final game. Um, two teams who, you know, before the start of the season, we might have thought might be down there with the likes of Real Valladolid and Cadiz. But the team who won this final game, Mallorca, really you know overperforming we think and there seems to be a really positive atmosphere at Mallorca at the moment a 1-0 victory here over Almeria Pablo Maffeo with a, a really brave header actually and yeah it was a really nice game I thought Moriki again was the kind of principal mm-hmm. guy to rouse the crowd and really get them into this game um Clement Grenier as well for Mallorca really excellent um you know we talked a lot about Mallorca's under the radar signings but I think he's another one who really stood out today what do you think about Almeria, Paco, just quickly? Because, you know, obviously they've lost Umar Sadiq. Mm-hmm. If you look at the XG, actually, they they managed to accumulate 3.92 XG in their three games with Umar Sadiq, 0.98 without. So do you think they're missing, you know, a big target man up there to generate these chances? Yeah, Ramazzani and, and Toure are not are not enough to compensate the, the absence of, of Sadiq and the, that has been their main issue so far. Whereas for Mallorca, I think that the, the, the win was was tight, narrow, but deserved. And uh, it wasn't their best game so far. I think that they have played better this season and they didn't get the result. So in some sense, it compensated them for for the other other games. They have been overachieving so far, both in points and in play style. And I think it's good news for Mallorca fans because of, as you said, you know, Murici, Kangin Lee, uh, Grenier, m- many, many players who are, uh, you know, at this point being uh, absolute highlights of of Mallorca and you know mid table no problems for them all is uh, all is well in in the aisle. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast today, um, Paco. A pleasure as always. Your insight really appreciated. 
Um, we'll be back midweek for another podcast where we'll be looking ahead to the international break. I will be with Paco once again, so make sure to tune in for that. And like I say, make sure to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our Substack if you haven't already. But thank you once again for listening and we'll see you soon.